'Tis not through envy of thy happy lot, but being too happy in thy happiness, that thou, light-winged dryad of the trees in some melodious plot of beech and green and shadows numberless, do sing of summer with full-throated ease. Wow, <laughs> that is beautiful. Clicks for that because... Hi, I'm Kusia, and you're listening to Get Burden, supported by Canada Water. Today's episode is about how birds can inspire creativity. From romantic poetry to spoken word, and from novelists to new talents. We'll spend some time with actress Alison Stedman, who you might know from Abigail's Party or Gavin and Stacey. The dawn chorus was happening and I just stopped and I just stood in the dark and I just listened to the dawn chorus for five minutes. An award-winning author, Jonathan Franzen. There they were, these hornbills, giant hornbills. They're like a pelican crossed with a toucan. They were just placidly walking through this tree, eating fruit, and they were just so magnificent. Nature and birds definitely give me creative inspiration because when you look at the way the natural world operates and all things in it, including birds. There's something magical about it. Nature is always living and dying and creating. And that just gives so much inspiration for the human experience, I feel like, because we try to be creators, and we can be creators, in fact, especially when we start to tune in more to nature and birds and by connecting with nature i've been able to see how everything we think is new already exists in the natural world and all the art and everything that's that we see is inspired by nature its elements because its elements are within all of us okay so are you gonna? Someone gonna I'm lead the way? Right. Okay. So, hi, Alison. Hello. Nice Hello. to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, how are you doing this lovely morning? Well, I'm very pleased with the weather because uh, the weather makes a big difference to one's spirits, and uh, I don't want to get wet, so it's quite nice. It's sunny. So, I'm Alison Stedman. I am an actress. And have been for many years now. <laughs> um, I love birds and wildlife, and I am a trustee of the Wildlife Trust, and I'm a member of the RSPB, and I just do my best to um, involve myself, if I can, in these trusts and help wildlife. Currently walking through... Hampstead Heath, it's a beautiful sunny morning. <laughs> Close by to Keats House, actually. Would you like to tell me a bit more about Keats House? Because I'm not too familiar. Yeah, well, Keats um, was a most wonderful poet, one of my favourite poets. And, yeah, he wrote the wonderful poem, Ode to a Nightingale. 
And he was obviously a very kind, sensitive, loving kind of man who sadly died far too young. He was in his early 20s when he died. And, um, but he appreciated birds so much. And um, I, I learned the poem, Ode to a Nightingale, when I was at school. And we had that wonderful teacher who really explained it to us because he talks about um, how moved he is. And I completely fell in love with that poem. And indeed with him, um, when you hear a poem like that, it stays with you your whole life. You never forget it. And I've got a friend in Liverpool who was in the same class as me at school and we're still friends and we meet up occasionally. And um, it was only a few months ago and I quoted that first line and she joined in and we said the f full verse together. <laughs> <laughs> and then we both put our arms like this to the skies as we said the last verse. And it was so lovely to think that we both have this wonderful memory of that poem and what it meant, yeah. Could you quote the first verse to me? I'd love to hear it. <laughs> oh, I, I might make one mistake, though, with, the, with one of the lines, but um, it's, my heart aches... And a drowsy numbness pains my sense, as though of hemlock I had drunk, or some dull opiate emptied to the drains and leafy woods had sunk. Tis not through envy of thy happy lot, but being too happy in thy happiness, that thou, light-winged dryad of the trees in some melodious plot of beech and green and shadows numberless, do sing of summer with full-throated ease. Wow, <laughs> that is beautiful. There is a mistake in there. This is from when I learned it at school. But basically that's the poem. And oh, it, uh, I quote it often in my head. And his love of birds. And you can see him standing there, you know, in the, in the dark, just, just listening, just hearing this song. And he just loved it. I think at the time he had tuberculosis and he was, um, I don't know, he didn't know he was going to die, but I think he, he knew he was going to get very ill. And so the, the, there's a link in this poem to saying, oh, you lift my spirits, Nightingale, you take me somewhere, you know, you makes me want to cry, you're so beautiful. It's wonderful. Do you, have you ever seen a nightingale before, in fact? No, I have heard a nightingale at some point, but they're quite difficult to spot, you know, because they're quite tiny birds and they're always very, very high up in trees. Um, so that's on my, on my list to do. As I become higher, I inspire more people to follow their paths to graft, to become who they are meant to be. This life is made for living, not just existing. The depiction of a better future is not fiction. I guess when I write spoken word, it's very much unplanned. I don't sit down and think I'm going to write spoken word piece. I guess... It's a process of reflection for me. It's a way to release emotions, thoughts, process things too. 
and get a perspective on life experiences. I've never actually performed any of my spoken word pieces per se, but I have recorded them. Nature speaks in many ways. It plays a vital role, takes control. Just like the trees shed their leaves in change of a season is the reason I choose to let go in order to flow in my natural form and not conform. Connecting with the elements, I'm one. That's how I get along. The space within us is bigger than the space up above. Spoken word has a special place in my heart. It's been a discovery within itself, and every time I write, I find that. I guess spoken word is an opportunity to be free, just like the birds. There's no judgment in it, and it's an opportunity to express your persona, feelings, thoughts, in a way that you probably wouldn't day to day. It's like the voice that you never get to hear in someone else's brain, in a way. And I think that's so cool that people are using spoken word as a creative tool to do that. One day in Central Park, I was living in New York. It was the second weekend in May. There were 100,000 people in the park. It was as if this world that I've been walking past for years was suddenly visible to me. Jonathan Franzen is a world-famous writer. He says that two things he loves the most in the world are novels and birds. One day over 20 years ago, he went birding and his life changed forever. I think we saw 50 species of bird that one afternoon. It was the height of spring migration. And most of these birds were not known to me. Many of them gloriously colorful. All the eastern warblers were coming through. Bright red, bright blue, bright green, bright yellow. Um, and also these wonderful brown birds, which came to be my favorites. And... I was hooked almost immediately. I would say in the space of three years, I went from not caring anything about birds to being totally hooked as a birder. And I felt as if I was reconnecting to my childhood. There was had always been in me a latent sympathy for animals. It just needed an object. It needed to be activated. And that led me very quickly into bird conservation, getting involved in efforts to help the birds because... You can't go out and see them without beginning to worry about them. They're trying to survive, complete their life cycles in a, an increasingly human world. 
I think it's safe to say I've cried out with joy, literally just like a fool crying out with joy, maybe twice on seeing a bird. The first I would mention is the great hornbill. Uh, This was in eastern India, and that's a bird I didn't see at first. What I heard was this kind of almost thunderous whomp, 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 because they're huge, of something flying into a fruiting tree. And then there they were, these hornbills, giant hornbills. They're like a pelican crossed with a toucan in this black and white kind of furry plumage. They were just placidly with their feet walking through this tree eating fruit, and they were just so magnificent. And I just was like, oh, oh. And joy is not something I experience easily. I make fun of people who talk about being full of joy, but there there it was. The other bird I would mention, similarly spectacular, would be the king penguin. Uh, I had the good fortune to have a journalistic assignment that took me to Antarctica and South Georgia Island. And coming ashore on South Georgia and standing in a colony of half a million king penguins who have this absolutely crazy vocalization. Again, the sound is, is, is an integral part of the experience. And these are big birds um, with just spectacular color and then these little brown chicks. And you can walk through and they just look at you and they have no fear because they never evolved to have fear of predators like us. So once I became a a birder and deeply into all things birds, it was inevitable that that was going to show up in my fiction. And on the cover of my fourth novel, Freedom, there is a cerulean warbler, a beautiful and quite threatened. Uh, The male is this really amazing cerulean blue. And that bird plays a fairly big part in the novel. I felt I could only do that once. I didn't want to become the guy who, in novel after novel, is writing about birds. So I've had to be very selective. I allowed myself one paragraph in my fifth novel, Purity, in which I praise the California towhee, which is my favorite bird in the world. And I talk about why that is such a wonderful bird through the point of view of one of the characters. That's all I allowed myself. And then again, because so many pages had passed, I felt I was allowed a paragraph about a hooded oriole near the end of Crossroads, where I talk about a woman who's been disturbed. It's the mother in the novel. And she's sitting by a pool in Southern California in April, and she hears this bird, and then she sees this bird. And hooded orioles, the males are beautiful, bright yellow birds with some black markings. And to me, if not to a reader, that's an incredible moment because, oh my God, you're looking at a hooded oriole. And and I, and I wanted it to be kind of the turning point in her life. And then a few pages later, she goes to see an old boyfriend. She's suddenly come back to herself. She's suddenly in the world again. And so I put a 
Buick's wren, which is a relative of the house wren. I put that singing in a bush, and we don't even see the bird. We just hear this gorgeous sound of the Buick's wren. A month after the book was published, I get an email from somebody who knows Los Angeles birds and said, well, the backyard you describe is on such and such street. Buick's Wren would not be there. There are plenty of them half a mile inland, but they're not on that slope. And I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> this, this scene took place in 1972. <laughs> Creativity and self-expression is so important to me because it's a way to release and express things that on a day-to-day -day I may not know how to navigate because I feel sometimes we don't always have the answers to things that we're feeling or thinking, but by being creative, we can find the answers there. And I guess that's why I do it, because in creativity, there's that opportunity to connect with oneself much different to any other way. I can see they fly in threes, through the cool breeze, all my senses are engaged. Being out here, I'm always amazed. I write in nature because it invites me into a zone that, especially living in the city, I'm not always operating in. And for me, there's something special about that, being in nature and writing. And just being present, something that we're not always doing. There's so much distractions and stuff nowadays that we don't really feel like there's an opportunity to just breathe and be present. So there's so much we don't know about. Um, definitely. What's going on? Definitely. In the <laughs> How important are birds and wildlife? to you? I think they're so important. I mean, I, I've got a nest box opposite my kitchen window and um, it's been inhabited by blue tits at the moment. And when I see the parents going in and out, you know, it, I don't know, it just gives me such a thrill. And I keep saying, oh, one of the, you know, the baby's going to come out and make their first little flight, you know. And it's just, it's just lovely to see them. And um, and then some, the odd occasion I'll see a species that we haven't seen or we haven't seen for a long time, you know, and I'm thrilled to bits. And it's like friends hopping around. And do you have a particular bird that made you fall in love with birding? Both my grandmothers and my aunt were huge fans of nature, wildlife and birds. And um, I think they instigated my love of birds. My aunt in particular, she... Um, you know, she would teach me things. She would say, no, you don't do this, and that bird this. And, and it was wonderful. It was, it was great. And my grandmother, 
would make uh, bird baths out of um, old washing up bowls. <laughs> Not plastic in those days, but metal. And um, I don't know, she was very skillful. She would cover them in concrete and then wow. she'd get things like shells and put them round the edge, you know, and to decorate it. And, um, and so, yeah, and she would f- feed the birds with stale bread because, you know, you couldn't buy bird seed then in the shops to feed birds, which you can now by the ton. <laughs> and she would say, now look, soak the bread in water because you don't want that dry bread catching in their throats and all this. <laughs> that's really thoughtful yeah as she was she was really kind yeah I can remember when I was about nine I went on a school holiday and we went on a walk and I I could hear this beautiful bird song and I just loved it and then at the end of the week before we went home, we all had to sort of do a little performance. There was like a party. And my act was this, try to do this bird song, which amused everybody. But I was determined to try and impersonate this bird. And the blackbird has stayed with me ever since. It has the most wonderful call. And where I live, there is a, there is a couple of trees. And recently, over the last couple of months every single day there has been a blackbird and I'll swear it's the same one in this tree and I as I walk down my road I just stand and listen to it and it is divine and you think how does that sound come from that tiny body in in this tree and you can hear it right down the road sometimes it upsets me that people don't stop and listen Mm. they tend to just you know what london's like they tend to just walk past you know and i want to go stop stand and listen yeah it'll it'll lift your spirits it'll take you somewhere else you'll forget your troubles Mm. um that's you know that's how i feel about that bird song it's like you forget your troubles I think sometimes, you know, there have been moments when I've just stood on my own by a tree, perhaps in the dark or in the first thing in the morning when you hear the, the dawn chorus. And, you know, we can hear birds singing now and it's just so lovely. It is. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to me today. It's been my pleasure, my pleasure. I'm, I'm so happy to be able to... Um, encourage anyone to get into birding because once you do it's so good (laughs) (laughs) so nice yeah near where i live in london is a community space called the paper garden i've been working with the young people there for over a year running workshops that help them connect to nature and each other We do so many things there like cooking on wood fires, watering plants, harvesting vegetables and writing about it creatively. So I'm really looking forward to speaking to them about birds and catching up with them about their stories and things that they've been getting up to. And I wonder if they've done any birding whilst I've been away. (laughs) I can see some familiar faces already. Hi guys! Oh, silence and a mouth open. <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you doing? I remember you. you remember me? That's good. <laughs> My name's Emma and I work at the Paper Garden. 
We're in Russia Dock Woodlands in Canada Water, which is just near around from the paper garden. And actually the bit that we're sitting in used to be a dock. So the water would have been here much like Canada Water Docks. But instead of building on it, they've put a lot more soil and a lot more nature, which is obviously um, a huge benefit to the area because we get lots more wildlife. And people can come, like all these people around us can come hang out in green space, which is quite rare in London to have this like beautiful woodland. My name is Emmanuel. The Docklands is like a place where you can spend time on your own, be one with nature. If you're having a hard time, really think about nature and what it can do for us. My name is Charlie. I think that the bird song is like truly beautiful to just isolate, just like one space where you can truly put everything to rest. Thank you, guys. It's actually quite quiet here, apart from the children in the background and the occasional plane. But you can start to pick out some of the birds around. If you close your eyes and shut off your eye sense, your sight, then you might start to hear those tuning to those sounds a little bit more. So if you just shut your eyes for a minute... Um, is it recording? No. Yes, okay. So, story of an egg. I woke up yet didn't. I couldn't see anything, feel anything, but incomprehensible voices echoed about. It was almost like I was trapped in a tiny chamber. I began to become nervous, so I rattled from side to side. All of a sudden, I burst open to a bright light shining down upon me. What a feeling! Yet, my happiness was short-lived, as a gust of wind struck me, pushing me to the edge of my surroundings. I had felt a grip on my foot at the last second. A friendly face appeared in front of me, chirping at me to come back. I had finally found my parent. Today I narrowly escaped my death. I was getting to my home when all of a sudden a bird flew down and almost killed me. Luckily I escaped in time, but when I got back up everything went black. As a charity, we always use writing as a method of reflection. So it gives them a chance to write freely without thinking about spelling, punctuation. So they can really see the, see the changes in themselves and the world around them and how they're perceiving the world around them as well. Um, this is a piece I wrote on Tuesday and it is titled, I am a tree. I am a tree, I am stood here with one purpose and one purpose, and my one purpose is to always be here for my residents. My mother taught me when I was growing up that I would always need to stand tall and strong and make her proud. When I was small, not many birds favoured my small aching branches, but as I got older, my bows grew sturdy, my roots were deep in the soil, and I know that this would be my place in the world. As the days passed by and seasons changed, my leaves turned, my leaves in endured the perches of peregrines that just needed to rest after a day of flight. I felt like I was a reliable permanent home for my birds. I am a tree and I am stood here for one purpose. So I'm Alex and I'm 13 and uh, I've done a wee bit of a different one. Um, I don't have a name for this piece um, but I'll read it out now. Sitting here now in this little spot of peace 
a place to relax, to enjoy and to free yourself. I really feel that connection with the world around me. The birds come and chirp and screech everywhere, and although they are hard to spot, the feeling of elation when you do spot one is remarkable. I hear all sorts of birds, from the common crow down to the tiniest chiff-chaff. They are phenomenal creatures, really, with bright colours and even brighter effects on one's mental health. We must do everything in our power to look after them. They protect us, and so we must protect them. Um, it's been really nice seeing you all as well as hearing all of your experiences your creative writing pieces they've all been amazing in their own different ways as well all unique as well so thank you so much guys well done Um, another round of applause for you (laughs) just listening to the young people that really resonated with me hearing their own truths and their own experiences because I feel like experience is the best teacher for us all just like birds Birds learn how to fly by themselves. No one teaches them how to fly. When you write, it brings out a different side to you, I feel. You're a bit more vulnerable. You're not necessarily thinking about your next word. You get a bit of time to slowly process the emotions. And creativity is something that is very important to us all in order to express ourselves and make ourselves human. (laughs) From the skies to the ground, it's all around. Forest, woodlands, parks, it's all a part of mother nature. I'm happy to have found it. That's why I find it so important to stay grounded. It was all made by the creator. That's why you can call me City Girl in Nature. been listening to Get Burden, a peanut and crumb production presented by me, Kwasia, also known as City Girl in Nature. My producers for this episode were Anand Jagatia and Jesse Lawson. Get Burden Series 3 is sponsored by Canada Water, imagining a new district for central London. Bye!